Good morning everyone, I'm Alon Litz from Panda and we're here with Pressure Point from Panda. This morning I'm here with Bokhlale Paile, who is a HR exec with over 14 years experience and a passion for young talent. Super excited to have her here and looking forward to our discussion. Good morning. Good morning Alon, thanks so much for having me. Yeah, thank you. I really appreciate you being here. Uh, it's always love to start with a bit of your background. I mean, that's what's interesting. And yeah, yes. over to you. No, perfect. Thank you. Um, so a bit about my background. I studied BCom honors at WITS, uh, really focusing on kind of HR and management. And I think over the past 14 years, I've had the great, great opportunity to, to work for some of the best organizations, um, you know, just across different banks, financial services, um, legal industry as well, and most recently more in the motor industry, um, and so, you know, over that time, I think I've really had um, a great opportunity, I think, to really discover what it is that, I, that I've loved, right? So I went into HR because I think a great uh, strength of mine or something that I really love to do is engage with people, right? I love the human element of anything that we do in corporate. And that's the reason I went that route. But I think quite early in my career, when I started at Investec, that was kind of my first introduction into graduate recruitment. And there was then born my passion for young talent. Um, and I think for me, the, the beauty around the young talent space was really just how different you kind of have to do things, like how differently you have to recruit, how differently you have to think around, you know, how are you attracting, how are you retaining, how are you keeping them excited? Because, you know, young people come in and they don't know what they don't know, right? And I think once you get older and more experienced, then you know what you're coming into an organization to do and what you're trying to achieve. But young people almost need to be guided quite a bit. Um, and I love being in that kind of space because it is something that is super fulfilling for me. Um, I felt like I was making a difference in people's lives. I felt like, um, you know, there were so many new graduates that were coming in that were first generational, you know, and, and they were the first ones to go to university, the first ones to have like a big proper corporate job in their, in their families. And you just know psychologically how, what an impact that makes on them and generationally as well. So I think that's where my passion kind of uh, came in. But um, I've had the, the real, real honor of being able to kind of grow in my HR career all the way up until being an HR executive, uh, most recently at We Buy Cars. Um, so I've really had a fortunate um, career track and I'm super excited about it. Yeah, I mean, it's really amazing. And as mm. I think, you know, some of the best brands, I know you haven't said it yourself, but yes. they are really yeah. some of the leading brands in South Africa. Mm. And I think that stand up at a global level. Certainly. Um, so Certainly. clearly testament to your impact as an HR professional. Uh, but I'd love to start just maybe digging a bit into like, you know, that graduate recruitment space. You've hit mm. on such great points already, which I think we'll, we'll dive into. Mm. Uh, but before we get into that, yeah. bit of a curveball for you, yeah. given that you've got the eye for, <laughs> for, for, for spotting young talent. And yeah. I'm going to throw in my maybe corny, but interview yeah. question for yeah. a new talent yeah. is if you were a fruit, what fruit would you be and why? What fruit <laughs> would I be? Oh, goodness. <laughs> I didn't see that one coming. Let me see. Um, sure, if I were a fruit, what fruit would I be and why? Probably a strawberry. I don't know why that's coming to my mind. Um, I love strawberries. Um, and I think 
the reason why I choose to wear strawberries because they are bright, um, the red color. So I think I'm quite a passionate person um, and I'm quite an energetic and vibrant person. So I love the color for that. But they're also quite small and elegant and cute, you know, it's not like a pineapple or a melon that's like just, you know, massive. So I like, I like how uh, small, petite they are, really cute, easy to eat, easy to kind of be around and digest. So I think it, that kind of speaks to who I am. I think person. everyone loves strawberries as well. So <laughs> great answer. So great answer. <laughs> I think there are a lot of tips for anyone watching who's, in, who's applying for a job. Like that was the perfect way to answer a question that throws you I'm off. So first tick, pass. <laughs> I'm um, glad. But now in, in all seriousness, you yeah. know, spotting, you know, young talent isn't easy, right? Yeah. I think hiring when people have had a bit of a career behind them is easier because mm. you've got a bit of a track record. Exactly. You know how this person is doing in the corporate world. Mm. Um, obviously, for people going into their first job, it's more difficult because how are they going to transition from an environment which is academic yes. to the working world? So, yes. so what do you look for when you're trying to spot young talent? So I really love what you've just said there, just around young talent, right? Because you don't have any kind of track record of whether they can actually deliver on the role or not. You're kind of taking them in off the back of knowing that they've got the knowledge theoretically, but no one's really tested them in terms of how they actually can, you know, how they show up and how they're able to actually do the job. Um, but I think for me, over the years that I've done grad recruitment, the biggest thing that I've looked for when I hire students is hiring for attitude more than skill right? Because the skill is something you can always teach someone. But the person that you teach needs to be someone that loves to learn, that's open to learning, that looks for opportunities to, to you know, roll up their sleeves and actually just get stuff done. Yeah. And I find that sometimes, um, you know, when we're looking for young talent, looking, finding someone that is just energetic and that has a sense of like, purpose and being self-driven. They want to do things. They want to go places. They want to grow. They want to learn. They're excited. And sometimes how you see it also is just even just from an application perspective, someone that's like doing well academically, but also they're getting involved in like extracurricular activities at school. They're kind of wanting to kind of engage in lots of different things. That's how you kind of spot already someone that is, um, you know, looking to really just use up their time and um, but use it in a fruitful way yeah. that's going to be meaningful to them and they're gaining skills through doing that as well, you know? Whereas I think, you know, sometimes when students apply and all you see is kind of 50s and 60s um, with no extracurricular activities, you kind of don't get that sense of, like, drive and passion and, like, doing stuff because they love, you know, and, and they love life and they want to explore. Um, so I think for me the, the biggest thing, just from an application perspective, someone that's kind of gotten their hands dirty a bit and gotten involved in quite a few things. Um, I've had the luxury of interviewing people that are straight A students that have done no extracurricular activities, and that's not always the solution. I think sometimes corporates tend to think, we're going to get the students that are A students, top of the class, but sometimes those guys come in, they haven't done anything else. They're not actually the most personable sometimes, you know, because all they've done is kind of focus on academics and that's all that they've gotten involved in but they haven't really gotten themselves out there to engage. And, and, and as we know, coming into a corporate space, you're not just gonna be left in your little corner to do work. 
you're forced to engage, you're in teams, you're working with people that you don't get to choose, right? And so developing that interpersonal skill, developing the skill of being able to communicate, to lead, and maybe not always leading others, leading yourself, yeah. right? Those are some of the important traits, but you see it based on what things they've done already from a university yeah. perspective. But when you meet them, I think, you know, having students that are just vibrant, you know, and vibrance doesn't mean they need to be extroverted in personality. You can sit with someone that's introverted, but you just get the confidence, you know, that kind of quiet confidence from them um, in terms of where they're going, who they are, what they aspire to do. Um, so I think for me, those are some of the things that I look at when I'm looking for some of the top talent. I mean, that that's, I think, sums it up perfectly. And yeah. clearly, I mean, people need to look for ways to differentiate themselves. Mm. Ultimately, no replacement for hard work. Yes. No, you do need to go that extra mile to yes. stand out from the crowd. That yes. is a reality. Yes. And I think the, the other point that you've hit on is like the, the EQ as much as the IQ, right? Definitely. Like how can you build those relationships? How can you build rapport with people Certainly. in a way that's authentic? And I think the authenticity is a great point. You hit on it. Yeah. You know, it doesn't mean that you need to be the loudest person in the room. Not at all. Right? Just how do you come across in an authentic way and build connections. Exactly. So, so love that. Exactly. Uh, so exactly. I think we've, we, we've started on, you know, how do you spot the talent? Mm. Now we've spotted the talent and I'm obviously simplifying the journey and the complexity in doing that, <laughs> but they threw the door and it's day one. Yes. Right. And I think this applies to young talent, but it applies to talent generally. Yes. You know, I think organizations often get day one wrong. <sighs> So, so how do you set talent up for success? How do you set new starters up for success in an organization? Great question. Great question. Because I do think it tends to be overlooked quite a lot. I think a lot of organizations, once they've signed someone on, yeah. they kind of think, well, that's done. The yeah. person will land and start working. Yeah. Um, but it's so important in any organization to be thinking about what that journey looks like. Yeah. Right? You've signed someone on, they've signed the contract. But if they're joining in a month from now, what is the touch point between the time they've signed and the time they join? Are you touching point with them at all? Are you kind of sending them an email a week before they start really looking forward to you starting? This is what you can expect on day one. Arrive at this time, meet this person. You know, it's the small things that actually go such a long way in the candidate that's now signed on to be in this organization feeling like they've made the right choice, yeah. right? Because I think you would know as well, like when you interview people, some people interview really well, yeah. right? An organization can very easily sell themselves very well in an interview. Um, and, and equally a candidate can sell themselves well in an interview. Yeah. But, but the true test of, of whether you, you kind of retain that kind of talent or not is what happens after that. And I think for me, some of the key touch points, you know, leading up to day one is really kind of the week before starting popping them an email, or even if it's two days before starting, popping them an email, telling them you're excited to meet them, telling, giving them a sense of what they can expect on day one, what time to arrive, because it takes the jitters out of starting, right? Because I think when you start in any new organization, you want to arrive day one and feeling somewhat prepared for what to expect on that day. Yeah. Um, and, and being the kind of organization that proactively does that, I think that really goes a long way in helping someone feel settled and not waiting for the candidate to email you the day before saying, oh, what do I do tomorrow? Where do I go? What time do I arrive? Be proactive and do that, right? Um, and then I think, Day one, like being able to, to, you know, any 
in any organization you go into, even as a candidate yourself, you want to feel like people were expecting you. <laughs> <laughs> right? As you said, some organizations get it wrong. You kind of arrive and no one's really kind of waiting on you. You're not too sure who to meet. Yeah. Um, as you arrive, you're like, oh, but, you know, I interviewed with this person. Yeah. Like, oh, that person's I mean, not here today. it sounds crazy, but these things happen. <laughs> these I mean, things yeah, happen. Yeah, yeah. These things happen. And, and so I think, you know, preparing for what day one looks like for that person. Obviously, day one's generally a write-off, right? You're not expecting the person to start working on day one. But... What does that day look like for them? It's the orientation, it's the IT setup, it's meeting their team members, it's going for a coffee, understanding the lay of the land in terms of the, the, the office space, um, you know, meeting key stakeholders. Whatever that first day looks like, plan it out for the person, right, in terms of who's meeting you, what time, grab a coffee with them, welcome them to the organization, show them where they're going to sit, give them their setup, let them meet with IT. There's so many different things to do on day one, but let it feel like we were waiting for you, yeah. right? And I remember kind of, you know, through my personal experience, I've had, you know, I've gone through organizations as great as most of them were. There was one that my, my laptop came two weeks late, right? Yeah. And I was like, but you guys knew I was coming. Yeah. Like, how did this happen, you know? Um, and, and other organizations where you kind of, you know, day one, they've got you all set up, your emails, that, like everything is set up for you. Um, and it's so funny how when you go into that kind of organization, already in day one, you're like, geez, I've arrived. Yeah. Like, this is the place that I want to be. Yeah. And, and sometimes we take for granted, but it really takes the first month for someone to know whether they want to stay in the organization long term or not. And it boils down to some of the smallest things like yeah. that. So I think day one, really being able to set the person up for success is really just allowing them to feel that they, you know, were anticipated you welcome them well, and they feel settled. You know, yeah. the first week is pretty much a write-off, but as long as, you know, in those first kind of weeks, there's certain milestones, not milestones, but there's certain touch points that you've kind of given to them to allow them to get into it. You yeah. know, it's not about, I think sometimes other organizations, they, you get work on day one already, yeah. or uh, here's the thing that go and read this, you know. Um, ease people into it. Let them feel like they need to just kind of settle um, and understand where they are, what they're supposed to be doing within that first week. Yeah. No, look, I think there's so much there which sounds so simple, but mm. the crazy part about it, as I said, is that like I, I think it's so easy to get it wrong and so yeah. easy to overlook. And I think organizations or people and businesses are so busy with what they're doing. Mm -hmm. You just forget to mm. like do these little things that, mm. that make the world of difference. And Definitely. I think like, you know, if you start on the wrong foot, it's really hard to kind of change that footing and set candidates up Later. for success. So it's so critical to get that right in an organization. Definitely. Definitely. So I think if we continue kind of along that, that candidate journey again. Mm. And I think this has applicability and you've got experience both with, with graduates as well as mm. uh, people further along in their career. Mm. You know, how do you set up talent for success beyond mm. kind of the, the first week? That first week. Yeah. Um, you know, what I find is, is fantastic. Like in my last organization, um, as an executive and as quite a senior person, I was put on a two-month training program, right? Yeah. yeah. And you ne you never think at that level that for two months you need to be on training trying to understand the organization. And I've never kind of been on that kind of long kind of induction plan. Um, but yet it was the most valuable thing that they could have done for me. 
and and you know setting someone up for su success i think always lies in the ability to allow them to actually understand the business how the business yeah. operates right yeah. and for me that was valuable because i'm i'm a i'm a big picture thinker yeah. I don't kind of like to be thrust into this is the work you need to do. I want to understand what does it impact, where, how, yeah, how do that, these yeah. pieces fit together? And actually putting me on a two-month induction program allowed me to spend a week in this particular department. It's allowed me to spend two weeks doing training with that particular department, you know? And by the end of it, you so clearly understand all the different aspects and how they work so that when you're now actually starting to do the work that you're meant to be doing, it just makes it that much more easier for you to integrate into your role. And I think that was something that really set me up for success and allowed me to always hit the ground running once I was off the induction program um, because, because they allowed me the luxury of just understanding the business. You know, And I think so many times... We, we hire people into particular roles, and as they start, it's kind of start with your role. Yeah. And no one can really be effective or start adding value because, yes, they know the task. Yeah. Yes, they know the role they're coming into. But if they don't understand where it fits in, what's the what does the organization actually do? Yeah. And why? And with who? And what are the clients? And what are the implications around what I'm doing? What does it feed into? Right? If you don't give people the luxury of understanding some of that, then you take away their ability to really start adding value from the time they start working. Yeah. And I think sometimes it's complex, right? Some roles are really, um, you know, are urgent roles. You kind of need, some, you need someone in that role and working as soon as possible. But take out two weeks and just give the person orientation. Just give the person induction. Let them meet people. Let them sit in meetings and not have to do anything. Let them absorb and learn as much as they can because I promise you'll end up getting a lot more out of them quicker once you've given them that time as opposed to thrusting them into a role and expecting them to start delivering yeah. from day one. I think that's super clear and so important. Yeah. And I think, yeah, I mean, you, you've hit it, right? Like I think we there's such this urgency within yes. business. We've, got, we've been waiting for this role. We've got this person. They <laughs> need to waiting. add value on exactly. day two or day one, <laughs> which is just unreasonable. Yeah. And, like in addition to that, I think without the context of like, well, how does what I'm doing align to what the broader organization yes. wants to do? Yes. Like you're in your silo and you're just not going to add the value that you, you yes. could if you had that alignment and understood how your role translates to the overall objectives of the organization. Exactly. So exactly. I think that's, I mean, that's so powerful. I really, I think that's great. And it's funny you say that. I, I once joined an organization and on day two, they said to me, oh, but Lale, tomorrow there's a camera crew coming. <laughs> And we need you to kind of, uh, we need you to talk to certain points. Don't worry, we've got a script for you, but you need to sell this product and this program. And I was like, come again tomorrow. I was like, I still don't even know who you guys are. <laughs> you know, you're still trying to learn the lay of the land and understand the people you work with. But I guess, like I'm saying, some organizations, there was an urgency in filling that particular role and you yeah. almost have to hit the ground running. Yeah. And you need to be able to flow with that, right? Yes. You need to be adaptable and flexible enough. But, but, you know, having that extra week or two to just kind of assimilate will help whatever presentation I need to do or recording I need to do yeah. sound more authentic. Yeah. Yeah. As opposed to scripted. Now, it sounded a bit more scripted in my view because I need to now learn what it is I need to be saying yes. as opposed to me knowing what I need to say. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think that, that, <laughs> that, that hits the point yeah. home. <laughs>
the next thing I'd love to chat about, and yeah. I think the two aspects that we can cover this from is retention, right? Like you yeah, can yeah. find talent, uh, but how do you retain talent, right? I think there's so much IP that you build up with great people in an organization and the mm-hmm. cost of churn for organizations, re- re- regrettable um, talent leaving the organization is massive. Mm-hmm. So how do you focus on retention? What can organizations do to get retention right? Sure. Um, such a big, such a big question, uh, because I think so often we, we hire people and we don't think about how, how do we retain the people that we want to get in. Right. And as you said, uh, so much cost goes into training people, so much cost goes into getting them up to speed. Um, and you want that return on investment, right? Um, for me, the biggest things or the biggest levers, I think, from a retention perspective, and, and I'm reflecting on my own personal experience and journey, but also through the lens of young talent as well, biggest thing for me is trust, right? Yeah. I think so So often we tend to want to mollycoddle people into their roles, but it ends up actually becoming micromanagement more than anything else. Yeah. Um, you know, we tend to look at students that are coming in and think, well, you don't know much, so I'm going to give you the bare minimum to do. Yeah. I'm going to test you out. I don't know if you're actually capable. And, and yet you actually need to start looking at talent and saying, well, we know ourselves as an organization. We know how hard it is to get into our type of organization. The person that gets in, they, they've, they've made the grade, right? Yeah. And I think you know, being able to trust people is the biggest, biggest thing that you can do for them. Because people want to come in and feel valued, right? People want to come in and feel that they, whatever skill set they come in with, whatever level of experience they come in with, they want to feel trusted for, yeah. what, for what they bring to the table. And, and if you start removing that away from them by being someone that micromanages, where are you with this? Why haven't you done this? Come back and report on this. Come back and report on this. You don't know how people like to work. People are very complex beings. Let's start there, right? And certain people thrive in very different environments. And you need to give yourself time to understand the person that you're working with. But what I've found is that once you trust someone and they know that you trust them, they almost level themselves up, right? And they meet the challenge where you set it. So if you're setting the challenge very low and you're micromanaging people, you're not going to get the most out of them. And all that you're going to do is really make them feel constrained more than anything else. But if you letting people come in and you saying to them, listen, you've got the skills, you've got the energy, you've got the characteristics that we're looking for, for you to deliver on this role. This is the piece of work we need you to do. Come to me if you need guidance. Come to me if you need help. Give people trust from the get-go allow them to actually show you and demonstrate what, they, what their worth is and what their value is. And that's how you then get people to actually feel challenged. And I think the biggest thing that's important, especially also for young people, challenge them. They want to grow. No one goes into an organization just wanting to stagnate, right? Yeah. People go into an organization because they want to develop themselves. They want to grow. They want to gain skill set. They want to gain knowledge. They want to do really great pieces of work and projects and all of those types of things. So don't take that away from them. Um, so, so trusting people from the onset, I think, is one yeah. of the biggest things that you can do for them. But secondly, what I also think is important is recognizing people. Yeah. So when people perform um, and they do really well, 
recognize them. Don't be that person that's only kind of coming in. I'm only coming to speak to Alon because he's messed up on something. Yeah. When Alon does well, say so. Recognize him, whether it's in a team meeting, whether it's personally. And, and make sure that that also follows through from a remuneration perspective, right? No one wants to work their butts off only to get exactly the same as someone that didn't work their butts off, yeah. right? So you need to try and keep people motivated all the time. And the way in which you do that is recognition when they do really, really well. And what that does as well, when you recognize someone for doing well, it encourages everyone else around yeah. to also level up their game as well. Yeah. So that's how you keep people motivated, trusting them, um, allowing them to really bring their own creative energy to the work that they are doing and, and recognizing them when they actually go the extra mile. Yeah. I think those are some of the key pointers. I mean, there's many other things that I think are important, but those two, a combination of those two, I think have been the, the key levers for me, even in my personal journey. Yeah. Look, love that. I think trust and recognition being yeah. key. And I think recognition is so easy to overlook. We were yes. chatting earlier and I mean, I think organizations, individuals even, right? You're so focused on what's next. You don't take that moment to reflect to be like, look where we've come from, right? And exactly. look what we've achieved and yeah. it's celebrate success. Yes. And that's such a critical thing to do. I think, you know, where I really want to close is you know, what can organizations do to support individuals? Because I think, you know, we've, I think retention and the trust and uh, the recognition is important, mm. but what support structures can also be put in place to ensure that we're really doing whatever we can as an organization mm. to set candidates up for success. And mm. I mean, you touched on the, the graduate space where there may mm. be some individuals who are you know, in the corporate world for the first time, they're the, the first individual from their family entering the corporate world. Mm. They are star performer, clearly, but mm. it's still, they don't have that person within their network, maybe, yes. that they can talk to and just get advice from. Yes. So how do organizations, what can they do to just empower people to succeed? Great question. Great question. I think the biggest lesson that I've learned being in HR, um, really making sure that we've got the human element as part and parcel of how we look after our people. Yeah. Looking after people is not just about making sure they get paid for the work that yeah. they do, but making sure that you're looking after them as an individual, yeah. right? So understanding who Alon is, understanding what his aspirations are, understanding what you know some of his challenges yeah. might be from a home setting, right? What is he bringing with him? Because one thing we forget is that employees are still human beings. They're still dealing with so much complexity in their own lives, in their own personal backgrounds. They bring some of that to work, right? And I think as an individual, you want to be seen for who you are, not just what you're able to produce. So it's not just about focusing on work, but understanding the, the person as a whole in the organization. And ways in which I think have really worked in terms of supporting people along their journey is really making their journey about them as well, right? Because yeah. I think so often organizations always make it about what do we need from you, yeah. right? As an organization, this is where we are going and you play a critical part in getting us there by doing A, B, C, D. But what about almost flipping that around and saying, what do you need from us, yeah. right? So you've come in, in your first kind of three months of being there, having someone that, touch base, that touches base with you to say, how are things going? Yeah, it's your first three months, You generally during your probation period during that time. How are things going? After month one, month two check-in, month three check-in, 
how are things going? How's work? How are you finding this? How are you finding that? What are you struggling with? What are some of your challenges, right? And I've found that being able to support someone, and it's a quick 30-minute discussion. It's an hour discussion. doesn't take too much out of your day. Um, but being able to support someone on a personal level helps you almost understand what it is they are bringing with them. Yeah. And it also helps you manage them a lot more effectively. And I think during times where I've had the privilege of having someone that always checks in in that way, it allows me to just be open and vulnerable about what I'm struggling about. And what you find is that given the opportunity to just have that kind of conversation, allows you to almost let, let go of it a bit more, allows you to deal with things a lot better as you're coming in. So I think support structures from a corporate perspective uh, with people is really having a humane cap on, thinking about the person as an individual, um, checking in on people, having real open, honest human conversations with them about who they are, what they bring, what are they struggling with. Um, that really has been a great, great lever um, for especially, like you say, for students that are coming in first time, they've never been in corporate before. They need they need those constant kind of conversations for them to almost unpack. I'm struggling with this. How do I actually go about dealing with it? You know, um, because then that gives you an opportunity to guide them, and it helps them grow a lot quicker as well. Yeah. So I think support structures, being able to really look after the person holistically, whether it's through conversations, having wellness days, you know, having events that really kind of allow a little bit of downtime from time to time within the organization. I mean, you guys had a, had a yoga day recently <laughs> on Yoga International Day. Things like that yeah. are small, but they, they go a long way, right, in, in almost being able to say as an organization, we give back to you yeah. as a person, as an employee, and we value you for who you are holistically. Yeah, and I think it's, again, it, it's one of those things which just, like, sounds so obvious. I'm like, all these things, <laughs> but it's, the, the, the scary thing is so many organizations just get it wrong, and I think yeah. everything becomes transactional That's when it shouldn't thing. be transactional. It needs yeah. to be about that human connection. And exactly. I think if you can be authentic, if you can build that connection, then that is what breeds great, great organizations. And exactly. people mirror behavior as well. If they don't see their leaders doing those things, yes. then they don't do those things themselves. So yes. I think it's so critical to get that sort of thing right. Very true, very true. Um, and you're right, I think a lot of organizations do just become so transactional in the way in which they do things. But that's how you start losing people, right? If they just feel like they're there and they're just a number, and they're not seen for who they are, and they're not valued for what they bring, then they'll, they'll jump to the next best thing, yeah. you know? And so, yeah, stop, stop kind of being too transactional and let's get authentic, let's get honest, let's get humane. I love that. Look, I think we could be chatting here all day. I, I think there's so much that we can unpack and we might need to have you back for another episode. But unfortunately, we're, we're at time. I think we, we've loved our time together. Thank you so much. Thank you. Uh, I think so many takeaways for the audience here today. Everything from recruitment, spotting talent, setting talent up for success from day one, mm -hmm. ensuring that we can do whatever we can to retain talent and importantly, just be human. And also, if you were fruit, what would you be? Uh, so... Thanks so much, really appreciate it. Um, signing off from the Pressure Point team.